Hello, and welcome back to Home at Last in Mass. This is the podcast in which we educate, empower, and inspire the first-time homebuyer in Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by Mass Housing, a quasi-governmental agency and the leader in affordable housing financing in Massachusetts. We've been educating and providing home mortgage loans to people with modest incomes since the late 1970s. More than 60,000 people across Massachusetts have bought their home with a Mass Housing mortgage. I'm your host, Eric Gedstad. This is Episode 10, Buying a Home During the Pandemic, Part 3. Well, thanks for listening. This experience has been unusual, to say the least. Buying a home and moving is a big deal and fairly stressful in normal times. But buying a home and moving in a pandemic is, well, even weirder. And yes, maybe slightly more stressful. But it can be done safely, and I and my family did it. And so can you. In today's episode, I'll wrap up the story of my own experience. Hopefully, at the end, you'll feel like this is something you can do. If buying a home in the near future is something you want to do or need to do. While I did this during a pandemic, all the steps are the same, even in normal times. So today I'll tell you about what happens after the inspection and the purchase and sale agreement are done. These things happen no matter when you buy a home. And this is the best part of the process. This is the part you really think about when you are renting and just really wanting your own place, right? I mean, moving in, getting the keys, picking out paint colors, hanging up your favorite art, and maybe planning a dinner party. Well, the dinner party may have to wait for now. This is still a pandemic, and safety comes first. So, with the home inspection completed and the purchase and sale agreement between buyers and sellers signed, we looked ahead to the last steps, the final walkthrough of the property, the closing, also sometimes called the settlement, and the big move. Now, the home buying process is filled with strange jargon, and on this podcast, I'm trying to avoid getting bogged down in too many technicalities. After all, you really do need to complete a home buyer education course before you buy your first home. In fact, home buyer education is required to get a mass housing loan. That class, that's where you'll learn all the technical stuff. But this term, the closing, why is it called that, I wondered. So I went to Google, and according to the website Investopedia, the big final event in home buying is called a closing because the escrow account used to complete the property buying process gets closed. During closing, also called the settlement or account settlement, the participants review, authorize, and date numerous legal documents. There ends the definition. Well, what's an escrow account, you ask? Take a homebuyer education course as soon as possible. Anyway, the closing, also called the settlement, is where the buyer signs many legal documents and where you take ownership of the house or the condo. At this event, you sign documents related to the house itself as well as documents related to the loan you are taking out to help pay for the property. As we got closer to our closing date, activity definitely picked up. I was getting regular emails from the lawyer representing us as well as the lender that was making us the loan. And I was getting texts from our realtor as well who was communicating back and forth with the seller's agent. The lender also needed more documents related to our personal finances. For instance, they needed to see documentation showing where our down payment funds were coming from 
and what bank account they were being deposited into. Now, it is tempting to see all of this as a hassle, but let me say this. Home mortgage lenders are under a lot more scrutiny after the financial crisis of 2008 to 2012. Remember that Great Recession largely caused by a broken mortgage system? There were tons of changes in the laws and regulations around home financing after that. Lenders have to document everything for government regulators and make sure that people are not borrowing more than they can reasonably expect to pay back. To quote a certain very profitable shoe company, when the lender wanted something, I told myself, just do it. If I delayed getting information or documents to the lender or the lawyer or anyone else in this process, I was only putting my home purchase in doubt. The closing could be delayed. So I encourage you, be responsive, especially as the transaction comes to its final conclusion. I asked lots of questions. I was never afraid to ask why they needed something and why it was important. And neither should you be afraid to ask questions. This is your money and your home. This is most likely the biggest investment you will ever make. So get all the facts. A knowledgeable home buyer is a confident home buyer. Anyway, through our realtor, we scheduled what's known as the walkthrough for the day before the closing. The walkthrough would be our chance to make sure the house was still in good condition and that the owners were moved out and that a few things that they had said they would do before they moved were complete. It was interesting and a little odd to see the house almost completely empty. When we saw it previously, the owners still lived there. Now it was completely emptied out of furniture and artwork. It looked a little bare, but we would put our own personality into it soon enough. Everything was in order. The owners had done everything we negotiated for. Two dead trees had been removed and some minor electrical work had been completed. We were lucky. These owners were easy to work with. They were eager to sell and wanted the transaction to go smoothly. It's not always like that, so just be prepared. So finally, the day arrived, our closing day. We drove to our lawyer's office. Of course, we were wearing masks because of the virus. The buyers would not be there, we were told, nor would anyone else be there except for us and the lawyer. This was to keep as few people in the room as possible. Our attorney even opened all the windows and doors and turned on the air conditioner to keep as much fresh air coming in as possible. Piles of documents were laid out deliberately on the big conference room table. We sat on one end and our lawyer sat at another. And we got out our pens and got ready to sign a lot of documents. All of these had been prepared by our attorney in advance, who had been in contact with our lawyer and the seller's attorney in the days leading up to closing. Our attorney described what each document was before passing it to us and pointing out where to sign. There are as many legal documents as you are ever likely to see in one place in your life, unless, of course, you become a lawyer yourself. And there are a lot of words on the paper. Of course, you are entitled to read every word before you sign. And by the way, some documents you might see in advance of the closing, and you should definitely read those. I've become a very good skimmer. I listened carefully to the attorney saying what each document is and what I'm obligated to do or not do after signing it. Then I scanned the document, especially any headings, and looked for the most important parts. I felt comfortable doing this because this was our attorney. We were paying him to look out for our best interests and to make sure we knew what we were doing. 
That's why having an experienced residential real estate attorney is important in this process. However, and this is a big however, at the end of the day, you are the only person who is responsible for understanding what you are signing. It is your name on the documents, not your lawyers and not your lenders. Once you sign and the documents are recorded, you own the property and are obligated to pay back the loan under whatever terms are in the documents. Back in 2008, during that mortgage crisis, the news was full of stories about people who signed loan documents that they didn't fully understand. Don't let that be you. You really need to pay attention to things like, am I getting an adjustable rate or a fixed rate loan? Are there any prepayment penalties if I pay off the loan early? What is my interest rate? What are the fees that I am paying? In addition to home buyer education classes, I recommend you check out the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau at consumerfinance.gov. They are a federal agency created after the financial crisis to regulate the offering and provision of consumer financial products or services under the federal consumer financial laws and to educate and empower consumers to make better informed financial decisions. Anyway, back to our closing. I can't tell you the name of every document that we signed. I don't remember. But as I said, the documents completed the transfer of ownership from the previous owners to us and also committed us to making payments to the lender every month. There were also a number of what are called disclosures, where we acknowledged that we had been informed about certain things about the loan and the home. Be sure to take a home buyer education course, and when you do, you will learn more about the documents that are signed at the settlement. In the era of COVID, there are a lot more documents being signed electronically. While we did sign our closing documents in person, we signed our purchase and sale agreement electronically via DocuSign, and I imagine there may even be closings that are all done electronically. Let your attorney determine how to proceed. I noticed that the documents we signed had already been signed by the seller before we got there. Their attorney may have had them do this electronically, or they may have done it in person. All the reading of fine print and the signing and initialing was tiring. We were ready for it to be over. When it was, the attorney told us that the documents would be recorded that afternoon at the Registry of Deeds. That's the government office where real estate transactions are documented. And nothing is ever really official until it is recorded at the registry. Our attorney said he would email us when that had been completed. It was up to the attorney to get those documents to the right government office and to make sure that all of the money went where it needed to go, from the lender to an account at the lawyer's office to the seller. Lastly, we got a bill for around $1,200 from the attorney for his services. It is easy to think that all of the costs of buying a home are contained within the closing, but that was one that was not. I had to write another check for that. So that was it. We owned the house. We drove back to the house to use our key for the first time and walk around. It was a strange feeling to realize that this was ours. We could do what we wanted with it, but also, we were responsible for it. We may not have moved in yet, and we wouldn't for a week or two, but if anything happened, this was our home and we would be responsible for whatever happened there. That night, we went out to dinner, socially distancing of course, and raised a toast to our new home. It felt great. The last step, of course, is the move. Based on the schedule of events with the walkthrough and closing, we had already booked our movers, so all that was left was to pack and wait for them to arrive on the appointed day. 
I'll close with a couple of observations about these last steps. First, I forgot that moving is not cheap. Sure, you might save some money if you get a friend or family member with a truck to help, but professional movers are very efficient, but they do cost a fair amount. So, set aside money for that. We moved from a small three-bedroom place to a home about 30 miles away, and that move cost around $3,000. Of course, you should shop around and get some recommendations on movers. The other thing I would say is that it is amazing how much stuff a family or an individual accumulates over the years. Only when you remove every last item from its usual place and put it all into boxes do you realize how much stuff you have. In normal times, we would have worked harder to purge things we don't need and donate clothing and household items to charitable organizations. But we found that because of the pandemic, many places just weren't taking any donations at all. We ended up moving with more things than we really wanted. As I record this, we have lived in the new house for almost a month. There are still boxes to unpack. There is very little artwork on the walls yet. We're still holding up paint samples to the walls, and I'm still discovering more businesses and others who need my new address. Hey, whatever you do, don't forget to set up a mail forwarding to your new address through the Postal Service. When we come back, some final inspiration and motivation. That concludes my own experience of buying a home in the pandemic. Looking back, it was all very manageable, especially because we had a great lender, real estate agent, and attorney. And we got lucky with some very helpful and considerate sellers. The COVID precautions were things that you are already familiar with by now. Wearing a mask, keeping apart from others, and washing your hands and using sanitizer everywhere you go. Don't expect any open houses for obvious reasons due to keeping crowds away. So, whether or not you want to buy now, while COVID is still around, or whether you just want to plan for future days, you can do it. Just remember, there are no shortcuts. Make sure you complete a homebuyer education class. You can find many local organizations offering homebuyer classes by going to our website at masshousing.com. Don't forget, Mass Housing has loan programs for homebuyers with modest incomes. And we have things you won't find anywhere else, like down payment assistance and job loss protection insurance for your loan. If you dedicate yourself to learning about home buying and mortgage loans, and if you have the self-discipline to pay your bills, build up good credit, and save for a down payment, as well as all of the other costs associated with buying and moving, then this is within your reach. Hey, visit us at masshousing.com to learn more and sign up for our home buying tips emails. They're filled with advice on buying a home in Massachusetts. And remember to look at the list of loan officers on our website and let them know you think Mass Housing looks like a great loan for you, and they can help you get started. That's it for this episode. Good luck and stay safe on your home buying journey. We'll see you next time on Home at Last in Mass. <music>